Hey, this is David Perkins, pastor of Radiant Church. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. I hope and I pray that the content helps you grow as a follower of Jesus. We'd love to see you at one of our services on Sundays or maybe at our Bold Conference this summer. Remember this, those who look to Him are radiant. No, I'm standing for you, okay? All right, how many of you love Jesus? Okay, why don't we stand and shout for Jesus this morning? Come on, everybody on your feet. Tell Jesus you love him today. It's good to see you. Uh, hold on just a second. Jesus needs a little bigger round of applause than that. I think we, we're all here for the same reason today. Amen. Love you guys. You can be seated. Okay, wow. What an incredible, what an incredible uh, morning already. I'm sort of sort of overwhelmed with the worship. The worship team was amazing this morning. You guys have a worship team for about 5,000 people. I need, you need to know that. Um, my name's Doug, by the way. Nice to see you. This handsome gentleman down here, uh, David Perkins, I've known him for about, probably about 20 years now. I can't remember when I first, when I first got to meet David, but uh, we were doing a youth conference, and in walks David Perkins with a couple of guys. They were from Colorado Springs, Colorado, uh, and we sat down around a table at a meal, and I, I remember sitting next to this, uh, this young man, and I asked him what he was doing. He said he was working with young adults. He won't remember this, but I remember exactly where he was sitting and what he said to me. He said, God has called me to reach a generation, and uh, I had no idea that about 20 years later, I would be moving to Colorado just to be close to David. <laughs> and then he left. Um, uh, and I, I, I was offended for a little while. Um, it's been about a year. I'm getting through it. I'm getting over it. Uh, but Pastor David and Renata, I, I just want to say something to you. So here's my Here's my, my, 30, my 30 cents on what's going on here today. Now, I work with a lot of church plants all over the country. Um, and this morning, I think it's just really important that, that you guys know that what's happening here is not a normal thing. Um, most churches that plant would hope to have a, a service like this maybe in the first two years, three years, four years. Um, but you guys are in the middle of something very special. I really believe that. Uh, I think what God is doing speaks to me about the future. I believe you have a great future. And for those of you who have been here, I, I just was asking about the worship leader. And he, I, said, I said, how long has she been here? And he goes, since day one. And uh, this is kind of the day one crew right here. I want you to know that, that down the road a few years, after, after you know, a lot of you have been here for a while, some of you are going to meet your husbands and your wives, kind of hear an amen, you're going to get married, you're going to have 30 children, uh, you're going you're gonna to look back over <clears throat> the last few years and you're going to say, man, I was there in the beginning, uh, I was there when it all started, and it adds a depth and a kind of understanding to what God is doing, and um, just really, really phenomenal. Worship was great this morning. I looked over here, there's this gentleman in the pink, I guess he's married to the worship leader. I took one look at you, and I thought, you taught her how to sing. I can tell. I can see it all over you. Um, amazing. Nice, nice to meet you this morning. So God has done some incredible stuff. Your pastors really did give themselves to a generation, um, and uh, I didn't tell David what I was going to say this morning, but uh, it's an honor to be in your pulpit. It really is. It's an honor to be here. 
It's an honor to know them. Uh, a couple of things about them. I want to give, I wanna give um, David a compliment this morning that, <clears throat> that I think is the best compliment that I could give anybody. And that is, now here, here's the thing. I'm from Denver, Colorado, and I shouldn't be breathing this hard right now. Like, why, why is the oxygen seem so thin right now? I'm bre- I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's the pollen. Um, I want to give David a compliment this morning, and that is that uh, you have come to a church, and when I, when I think of David, he's someone that you can trust. Now, in today's day in the kingdom, in church, trust is a really big deal. Uh, David and Renata are trustworthy. And I, don't, I want you to believe me when I say this. You get 5, 10, 15 years down the road, um, you want someone that, that's trustworthy. Uh, the, these, this couple has given their life to ministry and to people. Uh, they're never, they've never been about the pulpit. They've always been about you. They've always been about the people themselves. And so I, I just think that with everything that is happening here, I think that you guys should be pretty excited about what God is doing. Can I hear an amen? And I think with all of that said, I don't know if this has ever been done, but I just think um, this morning that you should stand to your feet and you should thank Pastor David and Pastor Renata and, uh, for moving to Kansas City, walking away from everything and starting a church because this is a God thing today. So why don't you stand up? Tell them you love them. Okay. He's a great man. He's also known all over the world. He's leaving tonight to go preach at a world-class church and teach a whole bunch of leaders that are going to go all over the planet. Uh, you guys are in a, in a great place. So, all right, how many of you love Jesus? Okay, so my subject this morning is a subject that can be a little bit tricky when you preach it because you, it has to come across right. But I, what I've done is I've tried, to, uh, I've tried to articulate or discover something that is that is what I believe the, the catalyst for anything that God wants to do. Is there a character quality? Is there something that God does that is so powerful and so, um, it's, it's so God, it's so Jesus that when you tap into it, something begins to happen. Uh, and that character quality this morning is what I call humility. Now, humility is important because how many of you know, has anyone here ever been humbled before? Okay, so it's important, but I don't mean just, hey, have you been humbled? Have you ever been embarrassed? Have you ever made a mistake? Have you ever had to say you're sorry? That's not what I mean. What I mean is that, is that humility, I believe, is the essential character quality of the kingdom that becomes a bridge and a catalyst for everything that God wants to do. And uh, let me just tell you, planting a church, nothing will humble you more like planting a church. Nothing. So we planted our church 10 years ago. I'm 10 years older than David. I'm 10 years farther down the road. We both did youth ministry for 20 years. And when I planted a church and I left a giant mega church, drove over the Rocky Mountains in a minivan, which I have been delivered from. It took a lot of prayer and fasting, but we got through that. Um, And I had nothing but my kids, a goldfish that I didn't know you can't take goldfish from sea level to 7,000 feet. And we hit 7,000 feet, just about the moment we're coming over the Rockies, God's going to move, and my goldfish was sitting on the dashboard of our minivan. He just, he went to heaven um, <laughs> as we came over the Rockies, and, and uh, we planted our church with 11 people, or actually 16 people, but my first meeting had 11 people. And uh, these are incredible people. Many of them are still with us, uh, but, uh, you know, it, it's hard to plant a church with 11 unemployed baristas, 
um, with master's degrees, because that's what all the Portland has really is unemployed baristas with master's degrees. And we showed up in Colorado and and we start to have church, and we did, started in our living room, and we had 11. The next week, number 12 came. So when your church is that small, you can actually number them. And so, uh, and then she left the next week, and I thought, the first person um, has already left our church, and they were the first person. And, and that was difficult. And so I know 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. I can name them all the way up till about 36. Uh, we got to 36 people in our living room. And then we moved into a hotel and we started for a big launch down the road. I had no idea that in the next five years that our church would have 23 different locations. Because in our, in our city, every school has a church. Every, every hotel has a church. There's one denomination that comes in and they just rent all of the schools. A whole denomination, all of the available schools. And then they put a church in there. When the church doesn't make it, they don't give up the school. They just wait for the next guy and then they put him in there. There was no place for us to have church. I've had church in every single hotel in the city of Denver. And can I just tell you, there were times where we would move 16 weeks in a row. 16 weeks in a row. Our, our motto on Sunday morning was, I love you. Thanks for coming today. You guys are amazing. You look better now than you did when you came in here. Jesus is moving. And next week, if you can find us, you can worship with us. God bless you. Have a great day. And that's how it went for five years. We had churches in schools. We had churches in hotels. We had churches in living rooms. We had churches in restaurants. We had churches in parks. There was, there was nothing stable. There's nothing that humbles you like a church plant. There were times where I'm the lead pastor and I didn't know where church was. I went on two different occasions to the wrong hotel. I go to a coffee shop. I'm hiding in the corner, and I'm thinking, no one is bothering me. This is awesome. I get to just read my Bible and pray. I'm texting, how's setup going? Have you dug the trailer out of nine feet of snow yet? God bless you in the kingdom of God. You get a bigger house in heaven with no snow. And it's going great, Pastor Doug. Where are you? So I come running upstairs for the beginning of the service after prayer, and there's no church. So I start texting, where are you? They're like, we're half an hour away. I'm like, sing it again. And just keep singing. Don't stop singing until you see me come through the door. How many of you know that if the lead pastor doesn't know where church is, God better be in it because it's not going to last very long, right? <laughs> this is how it went. I want to read, read you. I've got 19 minutes to do this. And we have a clock just like this. I want to thank you for putting it in white because my church puts it in red. And red is an angry color. I don't know if you know that. Um, but I want to give you some emails that I received. Emails that I received as a church planter, okay? These are real, actual emails. These are not made up. When we talk about humility, these are emails that I received after quitting a perfectly good job in the worst economy in 50 years in faith to start a church. Pastor, just following up on our conversation from Sunday uh, for prayer. So I have a request. If you could please pray for us because we're still looking for a good church to go to. Thank you very much. Okay, Jesus. Pastor, I don't need to do membership. I did it at the Baptist church 20 years ago. I'm sure it will transfer. Pastor, great meeting you. I'd love to get together and talk about my preaching gift, but I promise I'm not asking to speak. 
okay? <laughs> Pastor, there's no way that we could go to a church that takes the offering in between the worship and the preaching. There should be a bucket in the back where I can leave my offering. Everyone knows that. I'm leaving. <laughs> this is my favorite. Pastor, concerning trying out for the worship team, I have eight trumpets. I'll bring them all to worship practice so you can see them, but I'm sure you will like them all. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> Pastor, this Sunday your wife spoke. My life was changed, literally. One of the most powerful services I've ever been in. I'm still crying, thank you so much, but unfortunately, I have to leave the church because I don't believe that women should speak. See, if you're, if you're not a lead pastor, these are the things that you just sit at home and meditate on. What do I do to them? Do I love them? Do I give them the address to another church? Pastor, every Sunday we've started here. This is my favorite one. This one was so funny that I had to laugh, but it, 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 it kind of hurt. Pastor, every Sunday we've started listening to Stephen Furtick after church. I have a great message you should hear. That hurts, doesn't it? Someone just really made a sound. Um, <laughs> Pastor, we're in. Don't worry if you don't see us for the next three and a half months, but it's summer in Colorado. That's our time to play, but we're here to serve if you need us. See you in September. <laughs> Pastor, we won't be back. We're looking for a church where the focus is on us. That's real. And this one, this one is amazing because our, our facility that we just moved out of our facility, we have had two. After five years, we leased a place. We just got into another one. But our, our facility was in a parking lot of, of five buildings, six buildings. And on every side, we had a different, we had, on this side, we had the FBI. On this side, we had a hospital. On this side, we had ESPN. On this side, we had the largest strip club in the entire city of Denver right? And then right in the middle was the church, right? And so people would come to church and they would say like, I don't want to drive by a strip club. I said, but the FBI is over there. You're going to be okay. Like <laughs> you're going to make it right. And people would say to me, I don't want to go to a church. I was thinking like, this is the, isn't this where the church should be anyway? Shouldn't we be sitting here in the middle of, of everything? And we're a hospital, but I love this. Your church is located too close to lots of sinful activity. We will be looking for a church in an area that doesn't have that. That's called heaven. Um, and so, so there's nothing that humbles you more like, like a church plant, right? I was 41, not 28 when I started. Um, there was, an, it's been an incredible journey. But I've, what I've discovered is that there is an essential quality, a characteristic that Christ possessed that was the catalyst for the kingdom of God to present itself. The answer to what the kingdom of God looks like, what the kingdom of God is doing is really humility. Because without humility, you can't pray right. Without humility, you can't love people the way we're supposed to love people. Without humility, you can't have conversations with people who don't agree with you without getting in some kind of an argument. Or, or especially when you're younger and you're planting, you feel like you got to be right about everything because you got to prove yourself. How many of you know you don't have to prove yourself at all? All you have to do is present Jesus, and Jesus reveals himself. So there's a difference between proving and revealing. And somewhere through the path of humility, you discover that we're not here to prove. We're here to reveal. We're here to reveal Jesus. Let me give you a couple of verses this morning. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8. 
And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. Let me give you one more verse this morning. John chapter 6, verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Humility. Humility is going low so that you can help somebody else and lift them up. Jesus was humble. He humbled himself by coming down to the earth and kind of hanging out. I call it slumming down here on earth. He actually came down here where he didn't have to come to so that he could serve us. He put himself in a body that was frail so that he could become a sacrifice for us. Humility is Jesus coming down here for us, to pay a price for us, to sacrifice for us. And then even when he was trying to do the will of the Father, trying to do the work, he said, no, I'm not here to do my work. I'm here to do the work and the will of the Father. So the relationship with humility, Jesus exemplified it, and the work that Jesus did, he did it under the, under the covering of his Father. He was humble all the way around. And so humility is not just something that you do when you're having a conversation with somebody. It's not just a feeling that we have when we're trying to be humble, um, when we don't need to, or when somebody else needs to. That's not what humility is at the end of the day. Humility is the catalyst by which the kingdom of God is built on earth. Humility is the single quality that Christ possessed that allowed him to save all of humanity. I'm kind of getting older now. I got into my 50s, and I realize that many of you don't remember my songs, okay? I'm in that category now. But how many of you remember that song, He Came from Heaven to Earth to Show Us the Way? And if I wasn't losing my voice, I'd sing it for you. But I'll try. He came from? Okay, that's enough. We've done enough today. Let's leave it to him over there. Um, to show us the way from the earth to the cross, our debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, to the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Humility means that Jesus came down. It means that to do his work, we have to have the same kind of attitude or the same perspective on how we're supposed to live our life. The more humble, the lower we go to lift other people up, the more that God begins to move through us. The struggle is that we have this balance between our gift and humility because our gifts get in the way. Our giftings were given to us without repentance, which means that if you have a gift from God, it's going to be with you forever, whether or not you use it for him or not, it's there. And you can also lift that above God, and then God can't move through you. How many of you know God moves through anointing, not just gifts? God can gift you, but he doesn't have to anoint your gift. God anoints the gift when the person who has the gift is humble. Now, I've already started on the worship team today, so I'm going to pick on you. My family is a worship family. My family is basically the sound of music. <laughs> Every night when my children go to bed, it's like, so long, farewell, Avi. I'm like, stop, 
My 15-year-old son plays two instruments. My middle daughter plays two instruments or three. My oldest daughter plays two or three instruments. We have the loudest house on planet Earth. They start practice at three o'clock. It doesn't end till 11 o'clock at night. And they just kind of go through the house and they swap instruments, right? Um, but they're, they're creative people. Creative people have a gift. And sometimes that gift gets in the way. Think of me when you think of, of this sermon. I am trapped in the house 365 days a year with five creatives. Do you know I, how much I need Jesus? They write songs, and they're not that good. Dad, let me play my song. Okay, play it. Jesus. Can we do that Sunday? No, no, no. <laughs> creative, creative people. There was a time where I removed my entire worship team because they began to think that worship was about them and not about Jesus. We started having arguments. This is way back in the day when we had music that was coming out and only if you're over 40, you might remember our music, but we had music that was coming out and it went from, uh, when we were leading worship in front of 100 people, it was fine, but when it was 10,000, things started to change a little bit. And all of a sudden, the worship leaders are having arguments over who wrote the song and I get 20% of that song or I get 10% of that song and relationships were being broke over a percentage of a royalty that came on a worship song that they didn't write anyways because Jesus gave it to them in a dream. Did you forget where you got the song? You should just lay it down at the feet of Jesus and let's sing it and not worry about the royalty. And then one day we're sitting in a room and we start having these conversations and I just looked around and I said, you guys, we're done. And said, what do you mean? I said, you're all done. We're all, you're all off the worship team. And they couldn't believe it. They didn't believe me because we were packing out stadiums. They're like, we don't believe. What do you mean? I said, you're all done. And they're like, you can't do this. I said, listen to me, I love you with all of my heart. I said, but the Bible says that I could, that Jesus can raise up rocks to cry out. You know, rocks, like I'm going to go find five rocks and just put them on the platform. <laughs> and they didn't believe me. So the next, the next week I, I walked out and I, there were these people in the front row that worshiped with all of their heart. And when I would watch them, I would get inspired for worship. So I would say, hey guys, I, I said, I, I love your worship. Will you just keep worshiping like that? You inspire me. They're like, we will, Pastor Doug. But they're all tone deaf, all of them. I went up to one of them the next week. This is a true story. I said, hey. Have you ever wanted to lead worship? He goes, no. I said, perfect. I said, here's what I'm going to do. You're going to be on the worship team now. And he goes, but Pastor Doug, I can't. I said, no, no, you can because I need you on the worship team because you worship. He says, I'm tone deaf. I said, I know. I said, but, but this is like a new generation. I can turn you down. He goes, really? I go, yeah, bro. Listen, you just get up there and worship and I'll turn you off. Like, totally. He's like, I get, he goes, I can be on the worship team and you can just turn me off? I was like, yeah. He goes, that is awesome. So I went to like three other tone deaf people and I said, are you tone deaf? Absolutely. You're on the worship team. How about you? You're on the, are you, are you tone deaf? And I, I put four tone deaf side mic singers on the platform who couldn't carry a tune if their life depended on it. There's no chance. And you know what happened? These guys start worshiping, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to fall. 
Why? Because you remove the gift, God moves through the anointing. God can frustrate the first, he will anoint the last if that's what it takes. But it's the humility in the kingdom of God that, be, that allows the catalyst to, to take place, for Jesus to begin to move. Let me give you three quick, three quick points here about humility. Number one, humility is our response to brokenness. Humility is our response to brokenness. Brokenness is what happens to you. Humility is what happens in you. If we focus on what happens to us, we become focused on us. If we focus on what's happening in us, then God begins to move through us. I don't know if you remember the story about Jeremiah and Jeremiah 18 and, and the potters, the potter and the potter and the clay. And an incredible, an incredible verse. But if you remember, Jeremiah had a vision and he saw, he went down to the potter's house. The potter took some clay and was forming something out of the clay. The potter is God, we're the clay, and all of a sudden in the, hand of the, in, in the hand of the father, the pot just cracks and breaks. If God is perfect, then why did he break the pot? Or why did the pot break? Because can a perfect God break something? Well, no, actually it doesn't work like that. The potter didn't break it, there was something in the clay. There was something in the clay that began to, that caused it to break. And so it says that the potter then reformed it into something that he could use. So the, the difference between brokenness and humility, how do we take our brokenness and turn it into humility? When we're broken, don't take yourself out of the potter's hand. Don't let the, the father take his hand off you because somewhere in the, in, the, in the journey of brokenness, he's gonna take that, he's gonna turn it around and he's gonna turn you into a vessel. Did you know that God does not make trophies? God does not make trophies that are so perfect that he puts you up onto a pedestal and he watches you and he says, look what I made. That's not how it works. God makes vessels that are broken and out of the brokenness, you become better than you were before you were broken. Did you realize that you can be better than you were before you were broken? After the hand of the Father is on you? And so we have to make sure that we respond to brokenness the right way. Number two, humility is the bridge that connects God's work to people. Without humility, we can't reach people. Every Sunday morning, there is a group of people. They start about 6 a.m. in this room. They probably get up about 4.30, 5 o'clock. They go get trailers and they start to set up about 9,000 miles of black curtains. <laughs> and when you walk into this room and you see black curtains and coffee set up, did you know that without humility, you can't do this? It doesn't work. If the gift is about you, you don't want to put in the work. But it's these curtains and it's that coffee that becomes the bridge to what God wants to do in this room. Humility becomes the bridge to God's work. It's, what we, it's how we just kind of begin to flow in the kingdom of God and people's lives begin to get touched and changed. So humility is the bridge. Number three, humility releases God's grace and removes resistance. Humility, humility is the thing that releases the grace of God. First Peter 5 says that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility actually allows God to remove the things that resist us so that we can pursue his purposes. 
So in the kingdom of God, I believe that humility is the catalyst. Serve day yesterday. How incredible is it that you guys were serving yesterday, serving your city and loving people? I was watching the video just a little while ago and I noticed that some of those guys that were serving, they looked like they were out of breath. Did you notice that? One guy's giving a video and something's breaking in the background. That's a picture of church. I'm gonna tell everybody what God's doing. That's broken, we'll pay for that later. Let's just keep moving. You can't, you can't have God move without humility. God came down here and he began to work through the will of the Father. We're supposed to represent that and imitate that. How many of you wanna be used by God? Come on. Who wants to see God move in Kansas City like he's never moved before? Overland Park. I have two ladies in my church from Overland Park. And I said, I'm going to Overland Park. And they said, we're offended that you not, did not invite us. And then they said this statement to me. When, when I grew up in Overland Park, there were no churches like, like there are today. They know that God's moving here in this place, right? So... What we want to do is we want to make sure that we position ourselves in a way that allows God to move. We do that by going low so that other people can find Jesus. Can I hear an amen? All right. So I love you today. We do me a favor? Just stand to your feet and let me, let me pray for you. And uh, come on, if you love Jesus, shout a big amen. amen. All right. Let me pray for you. Bow your heads with me if you wouldn't mind. I know Pastor David will come up here and he'll stand by me and wrap the service up. But... But this morning, there's a, there are a few people here who have been through some really tough stuff. And it's been hard. It's been difficult. It's been difficult for you to kind of get through it because you want to fight back. You want to push back. You want to fight back. But uh, that's not how Jesus works. And, and he's, God's been speaking to a few of you, and you've been saying, Lord, I, I think I know how I need to do this, but it's difficult. And uh, I think I know what I need to say or not say, but it's not easy. Um, this morning, if you're facing something that's going to take a great deal of humility to see God move in it, will you just lift your hands as I pray for you? Thank you, Father, for every hand that's lifted in this place. I pray, Jesus, that you would... Uh, just touch their hearts, touch their minds this morning. Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your goodness. I thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. I pray for every need that is in this place, for every situation that they might face. And Lord, I pray that you would bless them. And Lord, let us reach people and love people the way you loved us. Let us leave all of our offenses and our hurts and our wounds at the altar with Jesus. And thank you, Father for your goodness and for your grace today. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we lay it at your feet. We pray for your, your strength and your humility to flow through us so that we can be kingdom people. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. Great amen. being here today. So good. Love you. Hey, can we give it up for Pastor Doug? You know, I love this message of humility because ultimately this goes right in the face of our culture. And so I believe that right now this is a word for our church. Um, if, if we can serve selflessly like Jesus, if we can be humble like Jesus, 
it is what shows the world who he is. And so I wanna take just a second, if you're here today, maybe Jesus isn't the king of your life. Maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus. We wanna give you that opportunity to just say, I don't wanna go my way, I wanna go Jesus' way. So I'd like all of you one more time, if you just bow your heads and let's pray. And today, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, we wanna just give you that opportunity. And just repeat this prayer after me. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I give you my life. I don't wanna be the king of my life. You come be the king, come be Lord of my life. So save me, heal me, transform me that I might spend eternity with you. I wanna know you, I wanna walk with you and I give you my life in Jesus' name, amen.